Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Hello everyone, welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this episode. I am super excited to be sharing a powerful, pretty in-depth conversation with my dear friend Natasha Levinger. Um, Natasha and I have been working together in many different capacities. I've been Natasha's one-on-one client. I've really loved working with Natasha. Um, She's just so amazing. Um, I've been taking her courses, and she's also been on the podcast before. Um, In fact, it's one of the earliest episodes. Uh, You can check out episode six, which was such a fun conversation about energy healing. Um, And we definitely touch on the idea and the concept of uh, inner child healing, which is, I would say, one of the main focus of Natasha's work. And in this conversation, we went even more in-depth Um, to celebrate the release of Natasha's book, which um, happened recently. Her book is called Healing Your Inner Child, Reparenting Yourself for a More Secure and Loving Life. And honestly, I cannot recommend this book enough. It is such an incredible text. It's so clearly and beautifully written. And I really feel Natasha's heart and unique voice throughout the whole book. Um... And, you know, the word inner child healing is so widespread. And I think intuitively, we we do have a sense, right, of what this work feels like or where maybe we feel the need to talk to our inner child. But I really appreciate the, um, the way that Natasha's system of working with um, the inner child is so... Um, yeah, it really helps integrate this work in my own lived experience and in the way that I see the world um, in ways that feel really grounded and that feel really practical and approachable. So I'm really um, recommending you on the front end to go get Natasha's book. I think it's incredible. And um, in this conversation, we spoke about... um, what Natasha's definition of the inner child is, um, how to tell when we are operating from the perspective of the wounded inner child. Um, We spoke about the resistance that can come up when we're engaging um, with our inner child, as well as thinking about um, doing work, right, with our inner child, collaborating with our inner child. And we also spoke about the inner critic and the inner adult. Um, Finally, we also discussed a topic that has been alive for us in our um, conversations outside of work, which is timeline jumping. And we also spoke about how inner child healing can help us on a collective level. So before I release you into the conversation with Natasha, let me read you Natasha's bio. Natasha Levenger is a therapeutic intuitive inner child healing expert and the founder of Highest Light Healing. 
With a trauma-informed approach imbued with compassion and humor, she empowers self-healers to trust themselves and heal whatever is blocking that connection. She's the co-host of the podcast Getting to Know Wu and teaches classes in addition to seeing clients one-on-one. All right. This is my conversation with Natasha. I love, love, love this conversation, and I know that you will get so much out of this. Welcome again to the podcast, Natasha. It is such a delight to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I told you this before, but now you are my favorite podcast. So <laughs> those rep- energy reports are my favorite thing. They're like, and which is funny because I do my own energy report on my podcast. And I've literally told people there like, Maybe you should just go listen to Jonathan's <laughs> if you not that I don't, you know, stand by mine, but yours are just so thorough and thoughtful and like calming, even when you're uh, it's just and the ins uh, I love it. Anyway, I could go on. Thank you, but. Natasha. That really means <laughs> a lot. And, you know, for those of you listening who doesn't know this. Natasha was one of my first guests, actually, on Healing the Spirit. Oh, I think I forgot that. Yeah, you were one of my first guests. And so um, it feels so good to have you back here to talk about your upcoming book. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, So, so exciting. And yeah, yeah, you've kind of been walking with me through the process of creating this podcast. So Uh, um, thank you. I love that, of course. Of course. Oh my gosh. I take zero credit. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I shouldn't, but I just mean, I'm just happy to be along for the ride. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, just for those listening who may not know who you are already i who are those people who are those people everybody knows (laughs) natasha come on how do you not know me where have you been living under a rock um (laughs) um, i want to give you a little bit of um an opportunity to maybe introduce yourself a little bit and um yeah, I, I you know today I think we're going to really focus on talking about healing the inner child, which is uh, the title of your new book. That's right, right? Healing the inner child. Yeah, healing. <laughs> oh my God, Jonathan! I suddenly don't know if it's healing you, your inner child or healing, healing your inner, inner child. How do I not know my own book? Yes, healing your inner child. I don't know. That's right. Yes. It is okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Healing yeah, your so inner child. Yeah. We want to mm-hmm. talk about you know healing your inner child right and and you know maybe to start us off i'm i i'm curious what's coming up for you in this moment around um what you do now and how that relates to the life experiences that have led you to essentially the story of how you got to doing this work essentially um i was raised with an extremely narcissistic mother. <clears throat> and I also do believe that my father was narcissistic, but he um, came in 
occasionally eat to protect me. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I mean, he would just like sometimes when he was around, which was not a lot, he would nip it in the bud because she was kind of afraid of him. Mm. And so, um, and he, I'll just, go, I'm going to dive into narcissism for a second. So in many narcissistic families, there's a golden child where the narcissist basically projects all of their golden shadow onto one person, like everything they love about themselves, but maybe don't own. They, mm. they, they, um, highlighted and amplified onto one child. And that was my sister. And my mom would always say that she was the perfect daughter, the perfect child. And then there was me and my, I I don't want to, I'm not going to talk too much about my brother, but also my brother. And I will just say that I ended up being the black sheep of the family around age 11 when Mm -hmm. my brother left. Mm Um, and, um, so my I realized later that I was my dad's golden child and that's why I was like felt like oh he's really good he's really like oh but then later I realized well he was like never there and only occasionally protected me mm. but so this is all a long way of saying that I well I went into a pretty big depression around age 15 and I realized that the only way at some point I realized, I hope it's okay. I mean, maybe we should have a trigger warning about suicide. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But so I'll just say that I decided I was suicidal for a few months and then I realized that I wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and my feelings of depression were not chemical. So I didn't have like clinical depression, mm. but they were all because I was being severely rejected by my, mother yeah and so at some point i realized i'm not gonna do it and i was like well if i'm not gonna do it then i have to figure out how to make myself happy Mm. and that was around age 16 and basically from there i became um obsessed with what they would call self-help then but you know like psychology figuring out like how do i make myself happy and how do i feel fulfilled and all of that stuff Mm. um and so um um career-wise i ended up pursuing acting and writing in the comedy world and um I kind of leapt over the thing but anyway it started to work like i was able to help myself um, pretty well. And then I went into another depression at 21. And then I actually found an inner child healing therapist, Mm. um, who, um, was helpful, but, and I actually went to a regular therapist before that. Um, and I hope the story isn't too long. I'm trying to make it somewhat interesting. Um, Okay, good. So that therapist was helpful in that she basically told me you're, I mean, she did tell me your mother doesn't love you. (laughs) Like, she loves you conditionally. Mm -hmm. And I told that to my mom, and she was like, well, I guess I do. So she just, like, agreed (laughs) agreed to it after I gave her. (laughs) I was like, well, this is why the therapist said that. She's like, I do not. And then once I explained why, she's like, oh, well, I guess I I do. That's Mm -hmm. how she talked. Um, Anyway, (laughs) um, 
which at the time was actually devastating to hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I learned inner child healing, but the inner, I'm not like trying to, I think she was really great, but it was not um, as in depth as Mm. now, like there's internal family systems, which is a whole, and maybe that was around then too, but I didn't know about it. And she didn't do that, which is a Mm -hmm. whole system around inner child healing basically. Um, and so it wasn't quite enough. And then I learned energy healing. And then when I stopped doing my, the, I decided to stop pursuing a career in like screenwriting and TV writing and, um, realized that I had learned this whole energy healing technique. And I was like, I think I want to do this Mm. professionally because I had been doing it for friends Mostly I'd been trading with my teacher that taught me for like 10 years. And then I was like, maybe I just just want to do this. Mm. And so then as I started doing the energy healing practice, um, which was just straight up, like, I was going to say traditional, but that there's no such thing as that really in the yeah, energy true. healing world. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was a chakra healing based, and ener- it is a chakra healing based energy healing system. And I would see the inner child, which is not something I was taught, but mm. it just like kept coming up, like all these inner child beliefs, pictures, systems. And yeah. then I was like, I didn't feel like... Um, I didn't feel good about just doing an energy healing. It felt like, well, but now I've, you know, all about your inner child that's wounded and like, you're just going to walk away from here and not know how to care for them mm-hmm. um, or mm-hmm. go deeper with that if you mm-hmm. want to. I mean, people do would just feel good, but then it's just kind of like a one time, like, oh, I feel better and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they wanted to go deeper anyway, that's what I was seeing. And so I became really obsessed with diving back into what I had known about it and mm. and combining that with energy healing. And and then later, it was actually after I developed a class on it, I found out about internal family systems. And I was like, oh, well, this there's even more knowledge there. Um, but I just love, it's been so helpful. It feels like it's taken my whole worldview in a new direction and like it gives me more compassion for people it's just very mm-hmm. um it's like how i look at the world now yeah yeah i was just before we started um uh-huh. I, we were just talking about how i love this book because first of all i think it was really nice natasha and it was very helpful to have all of these different pieces of information that i've learned from you over the years like through your course or like listening to your podcast which i regularly tune into Hmm. um just kind of getting you know all of these different tidbits put in one place and like almost laid out on the table it was very helpful for me to then have a perspective that helps me at least on some level contextualize some of the things that have been going on and like some activations or projections that I maybe see in, you know, myself and in my friends, right, that I didn't really always have a language for before. So it was really helpful having the language of the inner child. And you're absolutely right. I think, you know, also having been trained in energy healing myself, yeah, um, 
it always really helps to work with, to work with like different chakras and something like that. And and there's sometimes you come to a certain point where you get to see this inner child part of you, and we're not always taught how to talk to them. Like I'm gonna skip ahead here a little bit, but one thing that really kind of stuck out to me about your book was there was one one part where you were talking about the difference between the analyzer and the inner parent, which was really kind of mind-blowing to me because even just that example made me realize like, whoa, you know, my analyzer is quite strong and that my analyzer is great because it's kind of the inner protector, I would say, part of me that really wants to solve problems. But, um, you know, really even just tuning into the subtle energetic difference between what the inner parent would say and what my analyzer would say is really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that for a lot of people that um, analyzer and protector part, sometimes it doesn't always look like an analyzer, but the protector, yeah, and the analyzer are hard to differentiate. I think maybe Mm. most people think that that is just them. Like that's how I'm, of course, most people would think all their inner child parts are just them, but that one specifically is really masquerades as, well, I know what I'm doing. This Mm -hmm. is obviously correct. And this is, you know, it's, it's more of a, um, in my experience, it's less grounded in like a whole picture and Mm. more in how do we get things done efficiently? Which is, there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. I know I'm talking to a Virgo rising who really loves that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and of course, how would the world work if we didn't have that? But I also think that there is a way to do both. Like you don't have to compartmentalize mm-hmm. that part. Mm-hmm. But I think for certain people probably... For earthier people, that feels super comfortable and mm-hmm. super like, well, that's just who I am. Totally. And I'm not trying to pathologize anybody's parts. So it's not, again, I really don't think that's bad. It's yeah. just interesting to notice. Like yeah. sometimes like when the protector goes wild, <laughs> when that analyzer goes wild, it can... It can it can create rifts in relationships I have mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. And, I agree. Yeah, and it can really feel like, well, I'm just right, like, or I'm just I'm just doing the right thing, and mm-hmm. that's when I think it can be like, okay, well, where is this perspective coming from? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I think another thing that I really love about your book is that you made it abundantly clear at least to me reading it that the whole point of doing this is not really to the the point is to clearly label not to pathologize but to know how to work with the different parts right and um so my first question i think maybe this is where we should start before we go further is i'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you define the inner child the inner critic and then also the inner parent. And then I may have more follow-up questions from that, but let's just start <laughs> yeah. with that you know, main triangle because I think yeah. from reading your book, that was kind of my, one of my main takeaways is like there are these three parts, right? And they kind of talk to one another. Yeah. Sometimes they merge with one another, which is tricky, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, they, I would, I don't know if I'd say, that, well, maybe I'd say they merge. Maybe I did say they merge. I don't remember. I wrote that last <laughs> year. But what, what I do know is that to like, and I'll, this is spoiler alert, the inner critic often will latch onto a wounded inner child part, mm, but I'll mm-hmm. get to that in a second. Okay. So, Essentially, who is the inner child? So the inner child is a part of ourselves that hasn't, that's basically stuck in the past in a traumatic event. Um, Or sometimes it doesn't even have to be like super traumatic. It's just something that really impacted them Mm. that you never got a chance to fully um, process and heal from or or really even just process from. So it can be anything any layer of level of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so it's, and it can be many different variations of this. So the inner critic is an inner child, I would say 99% of the time, but we don't feel it that way. We don't experience them that way until oftentimes, I would say most of the time, until we really put a shine a light on them and start communicating with them and seeing like, well, why are you talking to me this way? What's going mm-hmm. on? What do you need? And then you'll find out, Oh, this is just like this, this kid's like five years old. What mm-hmm. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, so that the wounded inner child, that's basically what the inner child is. It's just these different parts of ourselves that we will hear as just our regular mind chatter or we'll feel when Mm. we get triggered. That's when it's like when you have a big emotional response, that's what that's your inner child most of the time. And again, not to pathologize, but also sometimes if we're in grief, we will have a big emotion and that's not necessarily our inner child, Mm. but it's more like, um, you know, if you're having, a, like, if your feelings are really hurt mm-hmm. um, or you you just get triggered in any kind of a way, yeah. um, that's the inner child coming from the past who's living from this past viewpoint that has this roadmap that, and the roadmap is designed to keep you safe. So mm-hmm. they learned, oh, I have, let's say, for instance, I have to hide myself. I have to be small because if I'm not small, then I will be attacked. Um, Like for me, there was a lot of repression that happened because Mm. my mom's energy was so big and she didn't allow for any um, disagreement with her. So there was a lot of repression. So I experienced my energy when, when there's when I haven't um, healed a certain part, I'll experience it as usually contraction. Freeze response was, was really big over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so that is like the basic wounded inner child. And then the inner critic, like I said, is an inner child. And usually they learned from a parent um, either by observing how this parent talked to themselves or mm-hmm. how this parent talked to them. Right how to get your attention if if you're not in if you're not doing it right or Mm -hmm. they're actually trying to protect this hurt inner child and they're sensing you're not there like the inner adult isn't there and so Mm. they're like okay we have to get her attention 
or their attention. So we're going to really criticize them in that way. We won't have to feel the feelings of that wounded inner child. And that, that would be dangerous to feel those feelings because there's no inner parent here to support them and make them feel safe and regulated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the inner critic is an, just an internalized inner pa uh, um, parent figure from your life that you just took on that energy. And different people say different things about how often that happens. But in my experience, it's usually the tail end when that happens. Like you've already worked with the inner critic. You've healed a lot of that. And then there's just still, it's almost like a habit or something like, like that energy just needs to be returned. Like they aren't completely sure. Well, how do I get your attention if I'm not being rude? Mm -hmm. um, and another thing, like what I, how I experience the inner critic now at this point, because I have, you know, really good boundaries around mean self-talk is I'll just feel like a vague sense of like, I'm not like, it just feels like bad. Mm. Like, ugh, mm -hmm. there's something wrong with me. I may not even be able to really articulate that. Yeah. But it's just this uh, feeling. Mm -hmm. And I've since realized it's like, oh, this is like the inner critic knows she can't like yell at me, but she's just kind of like, Bleh. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not good. <laughs> so, yeah. so then the biggest part and the most important part is the inner adult or in IFS, they call it the self with a capital S. And mm. the more familiar I am with this part, it feels like, yeah, true self. Like it can even be higher self. And um, it's just like this most expansive version of yourself. And um, you and I've been talking about a lot privately about timeline jumping and I've been like yeah. going into my own inner world and like connecting to this version of myself that already exists mm -hmm. in another timeline and bringing yeah. just like merging with her and that also feels like true self inner that's how I would say like the inner adult that I want to be the one holding space. And so that's what their job is to hold space for all these parts so we can integrate them rather than like kicking them out or, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like if you had like a kindergarten teacher who, if the, like a bad kindergarten teacher would be like, Oh, that kid's acting out. I mean, also they don't have as much time, but we'll just say they have time to talk to this child. <laughs> then, and rather than like being like, they need to leave, they're expelled from this classroom. They're like, oh, Timmy's acting up. Let me bring him over and see what's underneath that. That's kind mm -hmm. of the energy of that inner adult that you want. I always say you want it to be the loudest voice in your head. Yeah, I really love this piece you're bringing in around integration, because I do think that sometimes, at least for me, and I can probably speak for some other people too, when they heal, when they hear the word like healing the inner child, it's almost as if like, you know, either wanting the inner child to be like pushed out or like wanting the inner child to like grow up, right? To like not be a problem anymore. So can you talk a little bit more about like this idea of like integrating these different parts of you through the presence of the inner adult? Yeah, well, just as you put it that way, it just reminds me of like 
I don't know, capitalism and mm-hmm. <laughs> culture where it's like yeah. there's an end goal. Everything has to look perfect and we have to like be a well oil machine and like mm. no time for children and these little child parts like they better grow up or get out or yeah. you know it's like and this is how we're all raised i mean in this culture mm. at least my experience and in the u.s i feel like i don't know but if it feels like european cultures are a little kinder i don't know that made me be me just um idealizing them i think it's just because they have they make time for naps <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, and important. they get more, and they get more like vacation leave and paternity. A lot of places, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, so the thing is that whether we like it or not, we have feelings. We're humans, and mm. the we it's just not possible to get rid of. And you know, honestly. The truth is, even though it's hard to be human and feel things, it really wouldn't be ideal to only be, quote unquote, happy all the time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or like, and it's not possible to be like, OK, I'll be happy this percentage of the time. And then maybe two percent, I'll add in some sadness just for flavor. And then, you know, <laughs> be a little uh, excitement, a dash of that. Like, like, we just can't. That's not mm-hmm. how we operate. We're not computers again. So the this way the best way in my opinion to handle being a human Mm -hmm. is to bring these feelings in because it just doesn't work to try to shove them out and so Mm -hmm. if you look at it as feelings as opposed to the inner child even though that's really what they are most of the time yeah um then you if you probably i mean i don't know who hasn't experienced trying to repress a feeling in order to or shove a feeling out in order to get through it it just it doesn't work mm. and again i don't think we're meant it's not as vibrant it's not as beautiful a life when we're trying to manipulate ourselves in mm. that way mm-hmm. and when we bring in the feeling even if it's like shame it's we're we're knowing it more we're knowing ourselves more there's information there we're um we're allowing the energy to flow we're actually we're moving with it when we're integrating we're letting the energy move towards us and through us Mm. um not through us in order to get rid of it but just because that's how it is (laughs) that's how it wants to go Yeah. yeah yeah And also, I do just want to say that a lot of times the most painful feelings we have are a result of not wanting to integrate them mm-hmm. because that's really what trauma is. It's when the feelings and the energy gets stuck. Yeah. And as children, we don't have it's because, of course, we don't have the resources to handle it. But mm-hmm. just naturally, that's why it feels so extra, though, because it's there so it's like being held in place which actually amplifies it Mm -hmm. and when we let it move it's really not as bad it's like oh we can actually maybe even enjoy it yeah yeah i really love i kind of want to if if it's okay with you i want to read some passages back to you because i feel like 
some of these passages were really helpful in like in very very few words clarifying for me a lot of the mm. things that you're just talking about right now so you wrote our wounded inner child is stuck in the past where they are lost in their worldview the inner child's perspective is usually very self-limiting made up of extreme either or beliefs you're the best or you're the worst and unaware of the adult self that exists in the present when we merge with the inner child we get lost in this viewpoint losing sight of who we really are we go down a portal like the one in alice in wonderland a drop into another world that makes us forget our wholeness and has us thinking we are broken or not enough mm. I really love that. I really love that because I think it helps so much for me in terms of contextualizing this tunnel vision that I sometimes find um certainly myself, but you know the thing is when I'm when I myself is in that tunnel, tunnel vision, I can't see it, right? I need someone else Nobody. to help me. Yeah. yeah, to help me see it, but sometimes I think it's so helpful for me too as someone who does this work to have that language because sometimes as i was mentioning to you you know in sessions it's quite easy to see and you know i'm able to really be present with whoever is in front of me but sometimes when a friend for example talk to me outside of sessions i'm like what is happening because i don't really understand <laughs> yeah. why you are living in this tiny teeny tiny little world right it's as if like they're living in a hut and yes. i am you know i don't know a few you know not not that this outside is a hierarchy i'm totally yeah. outside of it i'm seeing the whole land and i'm like exactly. what is going on you know but yes. yeah it's so helpful to have that perspective because then i'm like oh i can have compassion that this person's in their inner child worldview and maybe the first thing to do is to really make sure the inner child is seen so i i really feel like relationally just reading this book has been really helpful mm. for me oh. because it helps me point out those things that have always been difficult to to explain when i'm just walking about in in real life you know yeah well i'm so glad we're talking about this cuz like first of all when you're in session you i mean you're so ethical and so you're neutral like you're in mm. that you're basically con you have consciously called in that inner parent basically or that higher yeah. self that's who you're connecting to and your guides your highest guides who are that's their perspective as well. So they are very objective. But when we're dealing with people in real life, we get more triggered. And so it's harder to see. But um, it's, it is wild how much easier, like, viewing people just, not just, but, like, being in their parts. Because, like, um, a couple of days ago, I was meeting with this person and they were late. They accidentally gave me the wrong time and I was totally fine with it. But I could mm. sense that energy. They were like, Natasha, I messed up. <laughs> I was supposed to be there at this. I had you down for the wrong time. Yeah. And I could feel their energy was like really ramped up. And I just was like, I'm totally fine. And then they mm -hmm. came. I waited for them. They came and when they got out of the car, they were, their nervous system was just so activated. Mm. And I could just, I truly, I don't know why for this person in particular, it was so obvious. They were just like five years old. They had messed up. They got in trouble for messing up. Like that was mm. the energy. Like they were so, and they were even kind of rude to me actually yeah. throughout this. They were like, trying to point out like they brought out their phone they were like but you said you were going to be here at this time and 
normally I I feel like I might have gotten activated, but because I've been doing this work where I've like consciously really bringing in this true self a mm. lot, like I've been so fucking focused. I hope I can I can. Swear. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I've just been like it's my life passion right now i'm like this week i am combining with that true self and so i was so centered in that moment i was just like Mm -hmm. oh i had so much compassion for her Mm -hmm. because i could just see like oh my gosh you're just your sad little inner child thinks she messed up like we'll get in trouble so yeah it is really helpful and yeah and also just my husband um it has been saying this to me a lot lately. He's like, I've just been seeing people's inner child everywhere. Like, it's like, I can tell when they're upset or whatever. It's just, it's yeah. a really more compassionate way to be in the world. And mm-hmm. also, but with yourself, that's the great thing. It gives you compassion for yourself. And yeah. then that filters out to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really want to talk about this whole timeline jumping conversation that oh, we've yeah. been chatting about but before that i kind of Mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about the resistance to doing inner child work because you mentioned it briefly in your book and i think it's really i don't know i i haven't really heard it talked about in this way and i'm so glad to read you read your words talking about it because it feels Mm -hmm. very true to me so there was something that you wrote here um i'm gonna probably read a couple quotes the first one is you said even if your reaction is rooted in trauma you still have a right to be upset all feelings are valid what's not okay is when we blame other people for those feelings especially when the pain is coming from an old wound in parentheses, the inner child, and we attribute the full weight of what we're experiencing to the present argument, which I think is exactly what you were just sharing. And there was something too where you were saying something about how people um, have a hard time sometimes dipping into this work or kind of taking this inner child healing work seriously because it sounds like cutesy or it sounds vague. And... um. Yeah, I'm curious to hear a little bit about your experience working with people who may be resisting, even knowing that this is an inner child part of them. And, you know, maybe I'll share a little bit about my experience. My experience was that, like, I think there's a part of me that feels a little embarrassed that the inner child is in the room. That it almost feels like, oh, but I need to be an adult. And I think I realized that too as maybe like a bit of a trauma response, right? Because, you know, you and I and our um, mutual friend Britain have been talking a lot about this idea of being the the golden child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely have that template as well. And Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like I feel like the, the pattern that the person who used to be a golden child tends to struggle with is feeling like they can't show their vulnerability or you know if they show any sort of weakness then they're kaput you know basically yeah right yeah so that's their worth that's their worth and it's like i don't then want to be like the black sheep you know i need to like maintain my (laughs) (laughs) bad news you avoid it (laughs) yeah so mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about like the resistance or what have you seen as some of the resistance that comes up when you talk about healing your inner child with people? Yeah. So truthfully, 
I personally don't hear a lot because I think that I have just filtered out. I'm just like very clear that I'm not interested in convincing anybody. So from that mm. perspective, I don't really talk to, I'm sure I know it exists. Again, I come from the comedy world, which I, I do think it's a lot of like, um, there's some snobbery about mm. you know, and it's like a, the mm-hmm. butt of a joke or something like that. I, I'm yeah. I know that exists, but I don't really talk to people about it in that way. But what I have heard, I haven't heard what you just said, and and that makes a lot of sense. And mm. I have a lot of empathy for that because it does, like this idea that we're children. Nobody wants as an adult. Well, most people don't want to feel like like they're acting like a child that's an insult right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so if you're looking at it from that perspective that's you know pejorative that doesn't that's not something you're going to want to delve into Mm. um but that's really just not understanding the whole what it is like how Mm -hmm. i just explained it that's just kind of looking at it on surface um and then also what you the point you just brought up really it is a protective but you already know it. You know, you yeah. probably have a protective inner child that's like, oh no, 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 we can't, we can't be delving into to that one over there that's like sad or <laughs> upset mm-hmm. or having like her having their feelings out there because um that's vulnerable and we get our worth by being in charge. Like, no, 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 no we can't what? No. <laughs> But again, like it's it, it. The thing is, these parts exist, whether we ignore them or judge them or not. They're there, and they totally. actually, like I said, get inflated totally. um, when we ignore them. But the one thing I have heard a couple of times, um, and again, I think it's just by virtue of most people wouldn't come to me and like give me money if they weren't ready to like at least consciously think they want to look at it of course when people (laughs) once they're there there is sometimes there's resistance sure we all have resistance like ooh, i mean i have resistance come up all the time looking Mm. at stuff because it's scary or whatever the case may be or i'm ashamed Mm -hmm. of it or something like that but the concept itself they, they they probably wouldn't come to me but um i have heard people feel like they're scared that the feelings would just take over that mm-hmm. once they open the you know like the dam it's just going to be like rushing towards them yeah yeah um but in my experience what's more likely to happen is the protectors are way to the protect protector inner child parts are coming in to stop it before you get a chance to feel it mm. um I have actually never had the experience where someone is just like, oh my, like overwhelmed and like can't with emotion and can't handle it. Mm. Um, we have, we just as humans have way too many protector parts in place, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and the, the last thing I want to say is sometimes it will, if you are overwhelmed with a feeling, it's because you're merged with that inner child that's having those feelings. Mm. And mm-hmm. so that is requiring bringing in that adult self. Um, yeah. And certainly if you're working with me, it's like, oh, that wouldn't happen. Like where they just get over. It's like we stop it. We do a little healing. And that should happen in your own work. Personally, it's like if you feel your system is like 
oh my god my nervous system is like you know um, yeah that it's just or what did you say i said can't deal like, yeah, you can't know. deal. It's like mm-hmm. feeling really uh, um, not um, regulated. Then you come back to the body, you regulate mm-hmm. yourself, and then you deal with what's coming up from that place. So really, right. this whole system is designed to help you to handle it with, with ease and safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So I want to kind of pivot into the inner uh, adult here and inner parent and i know we've been talking about timeline jumping um, yeah which is not really in your book by the way but just kind of no. a conversation that we've <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we've been having as friends so yeah. I, I guess my question is i am curious to have a very open discussion around your experience kind of cultivating the presence of the inner adult you know and maybe like fortifying and really kind of remembering even to just bring them into the picture i feel like sometimes that's put (laughs) right natasha i'm looking at your face here it's like (laughs) once i started doing this timeline jumping you know because of your invitation i started realizing that oh it's just about reminding myself that i have that part and it's like Mm -hmm. whoa mind blown you know that like all i gotta do is remember that this part is here you know and it's yeah, curious to hear any thoughts that come up for you around that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, because I'm just like so immersed in this work at this point, it's not that I, for me, my experience is more like, how do I unmerge when I get mm. to certain places? I'm always, yeah. because this is just like how I look at the world, I'm aware that there is an inner adult that should be available (laughs) but Mm. sometimes it's just like oh my god i can't unmerge how do i unmerge or i have i know how but like i have a hard time so there's just you know depending on on what's happening um Mm -hmm. um so my experience with it is like i'm probably like really taking a piscean lens because it's it's easier for me to connect to that inner adult through feeling and energy and timeline mm-hmm. jumping is like the yeah. big, it has been the most helpful, I would say. Um, because, yeah, I mean, the way I have been teaching it and how I teach in the book, which I still stand behind, is if you have a really hard time with that bringing in the energy of any kind of person that you view as having that feeling or looking into your past to feel into like, well, when did I show up for somebody else that way to access it? But I do think you're right. The first step probably is just knowing that it exists. Mm -hmm. And then also I just want to say some people, I have heard this before that some people are like, I just don't believe, I can't believe it. Like, I just Mm. can't believe that I really have this part because they've been so merged with their inner child for so long. And so when you don't have that feeling, you really got to, you know, work to create it. I talk about like having a blueprint, like creating a new blueprint for how you operate Mm. with yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's true, like the inner child is working on an old blueprint an old map, like I said, to safety. So it's like, 
those it's like having this like 1975 map for New York City and trying to get around in that. You know, it's like, well, (laughs) shit, nothing's the same. Like, some things are the same, so it's not like it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But it's just not leading you to where you want to be. Yeah, right. Oh, and the other last thing, (laughs) I feel like I'm talking so much. But the for me, the challenge with my other timeline self, because she's very self-assured, very powerful, very Mm -hmm. like... This is the future self, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think of her as... I'm going to stop. I don't like to think of her as future because I just Mm. like to think of her as me in like maybe a parallel universe. Like she's just in another timeline, but she's also here too because I've been merging with her. Um, But yeah, is that like this belief that like, do I really get to be that powerful? Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, is that really for me? You know, sometimes there's like, I have an inner child part that's like, no, we've known you for this long, like this. What do you mean this energy is available to me? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's some of like, it's, it's hard to reshaping inside. Yeah. Like it's, it's also amazing and great, but that process feels a little jarring a little bit mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? Well, this is what's coming up for me, Natasha. And I'm not really sure if this is directly uh, addressing what you were just sharing. But what's coming up for me is for a lot of people who have maybe like religious trauma, for example, which is kind of, you know, has been a conversation in a few of you know, different uh, circle of friends of mine. Yeah. What's come up a lot is, you know, Now that we're starting to see our religious trauma and we are in communities that do talk about spiritual stuff, sometimes it kind of comes back in and it like wants to protect us, right? But it's really interesting to then connect with this other part of you that is just so, in in a sense, you know, really powerful and and really strong in their own ability to discern that will not really get carried away into that land of religious trauma anymore. You know, because you will know where the line is, you know, and you basically, I think a lot of religious trauma, this is the Jonathan Coe version, Mm -hmm. comes from almost like uh, shutting down our inner discerning part, right? And it's not the same as the analyzer, but it's like there's this part of us that's kind of like, this is not resonant with me at all. Like, in fact, this is not right. And it's almost like what I'm seeing is when people are moving from having had religious trauma that they've kind of shoved away into this space now of like being ready to look at it and being ready to make new pathways in their brain and how they react. What's challenging is like um, showing up, right? Really trusting that you will know when something is out of line and that you will just put up a boundary and that boundary doesn't even have to look like not having a relationship with a particular teacher anymore. But you know, the reality is if you are in spiritual spaces and you have a teacher, your teacher is fucking human, you know, and sometimes what they say will resonate and their behaviors will resonate. And sometimes they're also in out of alignment with themselves. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I think when the inner adult is present, 
at, at least this has been my experience being in a lot of learning spaces, having a lot of different teachers. When yeah. my inner adult is present, I can really clearly see, oh, that's just their stuff. They're in their stuff right now yeah. and I don't have to do anything about it. You know, that's their own path, right? Yes. I'm here to learn what I'm supposed to learn. And sometimes what I need to learn is just, you know, that I have a different point of view than my teacher yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't have to fracture the relationship it just means that we're two different people yeah really exactly. simple you know yeah what how what made you think of that from connecting from with that yeah from that. the timeline jumping yeah 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 i think what i realized is for me i think i've been telling you right that like my um I guess future self, or I'm not even really calling it my future self. Currently, it, it's really feeling like my ancient self is kind of oh, like this yeah. Rick Rubin version right. of person, right? <laughs> Who's like, just kind of, you know, I mean, Rick Rubin is such an amazing, I think he presence. he really has such an interesting presence and energy yeah. because like, this is a person who barely knows anything about music theory, but it's very <laughs> intuitive, you know, and it's like everybody wants to work with him because he just sees things so clearly, right? And yeah. sometimes maybe the lack of technical knowledge enables him to see things more clearly than yes. people who do have the technical knowledge. So, oh, that's so interesting. Also, relating back to the thing we were talking about with the analyzer, right? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like sometimes we just don't need any of the information. Mm -mm. We really no. don't. We rely so heavily on our brains. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's good when it's good but boy when it gets when it when we rely on it it's just really it messes everything up like a it stops bit. the flow i feel like a lot of it like i feel like that's why what i was talking about before with the repression of energy and stuff like that it's like our brain comes in to make meaning of let's say the shame or the sadness or whatever mm. and that mm -hmm. stops us from just yeah. like feeling it and processing it totally totally but i want to know from you when you are connecting to rick rubin your mm -hmm. personal rick rubin <laughs> yeah. do, do you do it regularly yeah and i think so recently that's kind of been shifting a little bit since we last spoke okay. where this version of me is like a combination of rick rubin and bjork and also oh uh, Robin, who is the uh, Swedish singer. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've told singer. me that before. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, like, it kind of has this, like, Gemini, Pisces, and Scorpio energy. Oh. And a little bit, like, Uranian, too. Just kind oh, of, wow. yeah, very, yeah. like, renegade and a little bit detached from everything, but also really yeah. friendly. And I think, okay, so more practically, how I've been feeling this energy as my inner adult is that, when this inner adult is present, I feel like, in in a way, like unfuckwithable. Like nobody can really yeah. fuck with me. Oh, you yeah. Know? Because, 100%. Yeah, Nature. because like I know where my boundaries are and I know when I'm being generous and I know when I need to stop. I know when I'm tired. I know when I, you know, it's just very like, and, and, yeah. and in a sense, it's like that boundary also helps deeper connections, you know? Yeah. Like it's well, not it's an very... either or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's very like, for me, it's very, it, it is very discerning about what matters and what doesn't. And so mm -hmm. little matters is what ultimately is the answer. Like, yeah. she doesn't care about 
almost anything in terms mm-hmm. of like how I appear, how something's coming across or what someone else thinks or what's got like, there's just so little fucks given yeah. like none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And not right. in a mean, like I'm a bad bitch. Like I'm not letting anyone in way. It's not like that at all. It's just like funny even like, there's a lot of laughter about mm-hmm. when I take things too seriously. Yeah. Like yeah. so much. And I take certain things very seriously. And mm-hmm. in my own defense, it's like I had to. That's how I learned growing up. And again, it's that old roadmap. Like if I didn't take my mother seriously, I was like literally ostracized and yeah. i ha- i was multiple times mm-hmm. she like stopped talking to me and so i mean eventually i set the boundary but i mean as a child yeah. so like there that comes from a I, I come i say that with compassion for that part of me that's very concerned about like oh no like for a while it was very focused on social media you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and still is it's getting better but anyway point being like this real version of myself is like can we when are we going to throw out that old roadmap like this just does not apply it does not matter it's not interesting it's actually very boring like who cares let's just go live our life create what we want to create like let's not weigh the scale so heavily on what someone else is going to do or think yeah yeah you know what's coming up for me through this conversation natasha is I feel like what's been really helpful about um, bridging our current self maybe with or or maybe fortifying our relationship with the, with the inner adult through doing timeline jumping or whatever you want to call it, future visioning, yeah. right? What I've found really helpful is that the feeling for me is kind of like, you know, when you think about someone that you used to have a crush on, like when you were 12 and you remember the intensity of that crush, but then you look yeah. at the picture of the person now and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, what? it kind of feels like that. It's like a little bit like, oh, oh but I'm like, I'm, I'm over it, you know, or like yeah. you can still see that person and you're like, okay, that person's cute, but like, you know, yeah. would I... <laughs> Would I upend my whole life and like leave everything behind just for this person? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Why would I do that? That doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I really love it because it really does feel, it almost feels to me, this is going to sound weird, but like when I talk to um, dead people <laughs> and like they're, even my mom, for instance, who has passed mm. and her mm-hmm. ego has her ego died and she's actually we get along great now (laughs) it's always my joke i've never gotten along better with her since she died um but like yeah it's like it reminds me of the egoless spirit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just and 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 our inner child is part of our ego that's the thing it's like all these parts are our egos and so Mm -hmm. we don't want to we've also talked about spiritual bypassing and we don't have to go heavily into it, but there is this dance between bypassing. We don't want to bypass what our inner child is feeling. And at the same time, our inner child, our wounded inner child feels fortified by having this connection with this true self of ours. So when we Mm -hmm. connect to it fully, that helps them. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we do need to pause and be like, okay, from this place, what do you need from me? What do you need to hear? And like 
and feel all those feelings associated with it. We do yeah. sometimes and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just need to be like, hey, can you see what's up? We're amazing. Like, we don't need to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then they can feel that energy and then they're like, oh, okay. I can throw out the map. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of holding the past lightly, actually. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yeah, because I do think that, you know, it's it's really interesting how our brains, right? And I think, you know, this is us just being cute little humans that we think <laughs> that, you know, the past is going to replicate itself. You know, I even, I've, I've told you about this part of me. There's this part of me that feels like if I release another music album or something like that, like nobody will listen to it the way yeah. that nobody listened to my first album, <laughs> which is not true. Which is not right. true. I, I know people say, listen that can't to it. Be true. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. listen to it. I, I I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know people listen to it, yeah. but it's like this part of me feels like nobody's listening to it. Nobody yes. cares. Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting for me to like really gently and compassionately challenge that part of myself. It's like you're not releasing the same album. You're not the same person. You have, like, quite literally, I've taken voice lessons since I last released my album. Like, my voice is not even the same. Like, my yeah. singing voice is different. So it's like, why do you think that all of these different ingredients is going to create the same cake? Yeah. You know? And also, 100%. Yeah. There's just so much movement. And I, I don't know if it's changing, like, truly energetically. It feels like, I don't know, especially with Gen Z, who I have a lot of my I have two children so I'm very aware of them um I feel like there's such a new amazing energy with Gen Z like that they're mm -hmm. bringing in and it's influencing our energy in terms of change like just this and I think yeah it's just this idea of like you don't have to stay in one job your whole life it feels mm -hmm. similar to that it's like that kind of energy of like, well, I can follow what I want to do and then maybe it's going to switch and then maybe I'm going to want to do this thing. And it's like the same thing looking at what you're just talking about. It's like, well, I'm a different person than I was then and this is going to change and I don't have, you know, it's like yeah. the energy feels more fluid. Mm -hmm. um, totally. And yeah, I just hope the, I just, <laughs> I went into a sad place thinking about Florida and all these mm -hmm. laws. But anyway, that was the A to C. But, um, yeah. but also, I just also want to say that like, that is, and I do this too. I mean, like so much, but coming up with like the, who's going to listen to it before mm. you're even like recording it or feeling into it or like maybe even having all the songs developed you know we actually mm -hmm. just talked about this on my podcast um about creativity it's coming out next week but it's just mm -hmm. like having this like doing the thing because it's what you want to be doing rather than it's just again capitalism where it's like yeah. well what's the end goal who's gonna mm -hmm. buy it who's gonna mm -hmm. get it who's gonna see it yeah. who's gonna hear it and it it's real it is that's like another old roadmap that mm -hmm. we can throw out like it's not, is that supportive to my whole being to think this way? No. Mm -hmm. Who is it supportive to? Capitalism. If you're like <laughs> only worried about like who's going to, you know, I know that you don't, aren't really worried about like money, who's going to give me money, but still it's yeah. like that same idea. I think it's very true. And I think um, this is kind of making me think to recently I was listening to uh, 
Amanda Yates Garcia's podcast Between mm-hmm. the Worlds, and she was talking yeah. with Beth Pickens, and they were talking about how, especially for artists, it's really important to do your art because um, that's your medicine. You know, like yes. doing your art is like what keeps you feeling good. It's like going to the gym for athletes, right? Like you would never think yes. about if someone is like a runner, right? Like you would never think about taking running away from them. So, right. yeah, really considering art as like you know, art making as uh, the thing in and of itself for artists, right? And then the yeah. product is like just a byproduct essentially exactly exactly mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't and also once it's out there it changes it moves it's like it really we yeah i was just talking about this but it's like it's not yours anymore it's something mm-hmm. else it's like you know that energy moves too and also like checking in with that other timeline self that or that true self it's like why if can you imagine that Rick Rubin, Robin, and Bjork part of you ever being like, well, who's going to listen to it? <laughs> you know, like yeah. how many people are going to listen? Nobody listened to your last one, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. So you probably shouldn't do It's like, are you kidding? They'd be like, let's get it all. Let's get started now. Like, mm-hmm. let's make it the weirdest one yet. Like, let's, you know, <laughs> totally. like, let's go have fun and bang some drums or whatever instruments mm-hmm. you want to <laughs> mm-hmm. for some reason i was picturing some like like um metal instruments that they were banging around there but anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how experimental can we get versus like you know the other thing which shuts shuts it all down shuts your life force down absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. so i want to wind us to a close here and Here's a question I'm interested in exploring with you. And feel free to redirect. We can also, I, I, I have a million questions for you, Natasha. I can go on <laughs> forever. But I, I think what I'm curious about is, I, I've heard you mention a couple of times in your book about um, systemic oppression. And mm. about, you know, how like sometimes it's not even the inner child part of you. It's just that you've been experiencing racism. Yeah. You know, homophobia, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, religious trauma. Yeah. Um, and I- I'm curious to hear a little bit from you around how you feel like doing this work. And, and you know, sometimes there is, right, that like part of us who has been trained by capitalism that can feel like, oh, inner child healing work is so like small, you know, like mm-hmm. there's no way this can possibly create systemic or even communal change right Mm -hmm. what comes up for you when i bring that question yeah Mm -hmm. well you can only start with yourself Mm -hmm. and um experiencing like systemic oppression affects us and so dealing with that um, who is it? How is it affecting you? How is it affecting your system? Mm. It's affecting your system, probably in the in the inner the inner child has a lot. I mean, okay, so me, I'll use myself personally as an example. I'm Jewish, and there's been a rise in anti-Semitism, yeah. and I know that I have inner child reactions to this. Mm. Um, I've dealt with them. I've you know 
helped myself to create an inner safety by talking to my inner child and helping her know I'm safe and um, like personally and that I will do what I can, you know, but there is a lot of that is, um, you know, there's so much of it out of our control. So what all you can do, in my opinion, is like work. I don't have some like amazing answer that inner child healing will save the world. Of course, I do think if everyone was doing it, it would create so much self-compassion. It's not a frivolous thing. In fact, it is yeah. incredibly deep, potent um, healing work. I mean, mm. this is like everything I've talked about already, you know, this is how we're going, when you are working on yourself and healing yourself, you're going to affect your community for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And that is, um, you know, I see the ripple effects. I'm sure you do too, just working with clients when, um, like most recently I had this client that I've been working with. And then, um, because of, of the work that she's done, um, she's been able with me, she's been able to um, become more creative within her, within her job, which is very much more corporate. Mm. And she was telling me she gave a speech and that inspired a bunch of that. She said, people came up to her and was like, Oh my God, I want to do this. I want to have this part of me be in the world. So that's one way in the community, like you can see these ripple effects, but mm. you know, I wish I had, I wish I had something more profound to say about how it can help. But what I really know is that it's really important to consider it as you're working with yourself because we, and because sometimes we can get in this mindset of like, I'm going to fix myself. Like we've talked about before, or even I want to show up for myself and give myself love and grace. But if we're thinking of it very individualistically or even um, within the family, and not taking into account, well, we live in a world um, that we're also feeling all the time. And that's important mm. just to acknowledge and be aware of. You know, I have two LGBTQIA kids and like, um, I mean, I have a trans daughter and a non-binary child. And um, like they, we create hopefully a very safe environment for them, but mm. they're, we, they're going to, they, there's a lot of terrible things going on right now in the world around them. Yeah. And that yeah. is something that does need to be acknowledged and just, you don't have to let it, you know, kill you hopefully, but it's like, you can just let it be like, okay, inform like, okay, mm. this is maybe why I'm feeling this way. This is mm -hmm. why, like, this is happening. This is real. And then mm -hmm. showing up for yourself in a, in a kind way. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. I think that's beautiful. What I'm hearing from you is also that, you know, doing this work, I think, helps you not shy away from the reality of systemic oppression, you know, and like yeah. from that space of not shying away and not merging with it either, you can yes. have a little bit more options, I think, in terms yeah, of... Yeah, to care for yourself within it. Yeah. yeah, and to also care for others in your immediate yes. community. I do feel like, you know, even sometimes just for me, doing energy healing work has been really powerful in um, being a better friend, being a better partner, oh, you know? Definitely. And it really yeah. shifts people over time. I don't even have to do anything about it, right? Just being yes. that presence. It's like, I think one of the things that mm. I really yeah. love you talking about, Natasha, in the book is 
uh, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah. about how you assign this inner adult to someone like Mr. Rogers, like this Mr. Rogers energy, right? Like being that person in the world who can help other people self-regulate themselves, exactly. you know, and find that self-regulation within themselves. I think it's really powerful. Important. I mean, that's huge because what's going on when when people are are racist or whatever they are just they're very unregulated you can't be hateful and be regulated yeah and so you real and you you know how it is when you walk in a room and you sense someone who is regulated and someone who is dysregulated i never say this right <laughs> unregulated <laughs> that's not it when someone's nervous system is out of whack it's like you feel it and it changes and it affects Absolutely. And so that's why sometimes even just being the presence is enough, like you mm -hmm. said, to, to change, to make people feel differently about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you, Natasha. This has been great thank i am you. so celebrating your book release oh, i think by the time this you. comes out your book will be out in the oh, world no. congratulations <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much i love yeah. talking to you i love being here thank you so much for having me thank you so much and thank you for your work oh thank you All right, that is it for my conversation with Natasha Levenger. I hope that this conversation was illuminating for you. I hope that it was helpful and that, um, yeah, you get to know a little bit more about inner child healing through this conversation. I highly recommend and I um, strongly urge you to check out Natasha's book. It is so beautifully written. Healing Your Inner Child is now available everywhere books are sold. I will have the uh, links for you below to connect with Natasha. You can listen to her podcast, Getting to Know Wu. You can connect with her on Instagram, on TikTok. You can also uh, work with her longer term for one-on-one um, -on -one sessions. And yeah, I hope that you've been enjoying this conversation. If you enjoy this conversation or this podcast, I would love it if you could leave us a review. Um, this podcast is truly a labor of love. I am recording it from my apartment in Brooklyn. I am a one-person operation, and it means the world to me to receive your your reviews. And they don't have to be long. They can be four or five sentences just um, encouraging other listeners to also check out this podcast. Um, okay, until next time that we gather again in this format or some other medium, I am wishing you well. I'm sending you so much love. And yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you.